1: Welcome in to another episode of the Field of 68's Bracketology Show. That's right, the aptly named Fielding the 68. I am your host this Monday episode, Jim Root, joined by Lucas Harkins from Heat Check CBB and Andy Bottoms of Inside the Hall and the Assembly Call Podcast, two of the best bracketologists on the internet. going to break down all the goings-on from this weekend, take a look at the bracket from the top all the way down to the bottom in the bubble, get you uh, caught up on everything we saw over the weekend. And that's kind of where I want to start fellas on, on best bets, the show I host here on field of 68. We often talk about takeaways from the night before. So I want to ask both of you, which team got the most important win over the weekend, whether it's somebody like St. Mary's at the top of the bracket that validates their profile, or if it's a bubble team that gets them a lot closer to the field, maybe all the way into the field, Lucas, I'll go to you first here. Which team made the biggest step over the weekend?
2: Yeah, you know, I think, I think I'm think i looking more as a matchup that did things both for a team and against another. Uh, and that's, that's Northwestern's win at Wisconsin yesterday. Um, I, I think Northwestern is kind of one of those teams that was flirting around the cut line, but I was on the right side. Um, and same with Wisconsin coming into that matchup. And Northwestern now completes the season sweep um, of another team that's hanging around the bubble in Wisconsin, they beat them both in Evanston and in Madison, because uh, they're two really massive wins that will carry a lot of weight. Comparing themselves to the rest of the bubble when we get um, towards the end of March,
1: that makes sense. Yeah, that just kind of a needle mover for both. Mm-hmm. Definitely the wrong direction for the Badgers. There, is they slide out of the top seventy-five, so not a Q one uh, game for Northwestern anymore. Right. With the Badgers continuing to slide, Andy, to you, what was your biggest team victory
3: for this weekend? Well, on a personal level, it would be the uh, the IU win over Purdue. But uh, I don't know that that does a ton for bracketology because it really didn't push Purdue down very far. It gives IU a nice little bump, another good win. But uh, I I would not say that one, even though that was the one that I enjoyed the most. Um, You know, the one for me that kind of stands out as we think about talking about one seeds is Texas winning at Kansas State. Uh, I think it really propels Texas, I, I think, Today, if you put them as a one seed, I, I did not. But um, I think it. there's a reasonable argument to be made there. And certainly with them uh, facing Kansas tonight, um, they, I think they give themselves a real chance to vault themselves into that conversation. So, you know, big road win uh, within the league was was huge for them. I do think the Gonzaga-St. Mary's that you mentioned was probably the other one that I would have uh, talked about as well. I think that, as you put it, gives St. Mary's a chance to kind of validate their computer numbers. And I think probably for those who are a bit more down on Gonzaga than they have been in recent years and trying to figure out where to slot them, I think it reinforces those beliefs as well. So those would have been the two uh, that stood out
2: for me. If I would add another one, I'd even add Oklahoma State being at home over TCU, just partially because of how the game played. I mean, Oklahoma State really controlled a lot of that game until TCU made a big run there in the second half. And I think Oklahoma State really needed to get that game, um, and they were able to get that one.
1: Andy, you just alluded to the one seeds. We're definitely going to talk about that that Kansas-Texas matchup tonight quick and whether that's a, a one seed plan. But we're going to talk about one seeds that are right now, before that game has even taken place. Uh, we'll go to Lucas first here. Who are your one seeds as it stands today? We'll see if Purdue even slid out of the, the top overall spot. What do you got for us?
2: They didn't for me. Purdue remains my number one overall team, uh, followed by Alabama in the two spot. Those remain the same. Houston uh, jumps up to the number three overall from number four. And and unlike Andy, I actually did lump Texas into that fourth spot for the number one seed. I think, which you kind of already referenced a little bit earlier, Jim, I do feel that whoever wins tonight between that Texas, Kansas matchup, will be my fourth one seed tomorrow. They're very close. Uh, And Arizona is right in that mix too. I think, you can make a very strong argument for Arizona to be the fourth one seed today. And I think it's going to be harder to make that argument after tonight against the winner of Texas at Kansas.
1: Yeah. That extra Q1 win that one of them picks up, especially for Texas, the Q1A on the road. That's, that's big time. Uh, so Andy, did you, I guess we know you don't have the same four. Uh, let's find out which four you had.
3: Yeah. So three of the four were the same. It did have Purdue and Alabama still as the top two in that order. Uh, I think when you look at what Purdue's done, uh, again, I got to gloat about the IU win briefly before. Now I have to uh, say nice things about Purdue. But uh, you know, really, when you look at the resume, they've got nine uh, quad one wins and uh, you know, nine wins against the field, even if you don't count the uh, the sweep of Penn State, who's in the bubble picture as well. And they're eleven and one in road neutral games now, so pretty hard to um, you know to stack somebody up above them. I did have Houston as well, but I had Arizona in there. Uh, they're an odd one because the losses are uh, strange, as I've said on here, you know, multiple times, uh, you know, losing at Utah, a team that's that's fallen off a little bit, losing at home, you know, Q3 home loss to Washington State is odd, uh, but they are 5-0 and o in high quad one games. So that definitely helps. Uh, but I think there is an argument you made for really about four teams once you get past the I think the top two are pretty clear cut. And then I think you've got. Uh, all the teams that we've talked about, including Texas and Kansas, in that next mix. Uh, but for me, I gave Arizona the nod. And, and Houston, at a certain point, you, you know, the the Temple loss is not a good one. But y- you got to give them credit for the things that they have done. Their tent no and road and neutral games. They rank first in the quality metrics. Um, just because they don't play in a bigger conference, it becomes hard to penalize them for not being able to win big games. It did beat St. Mary's, and, and the fact that St. Mary's played so well against Gonzaga and got that win uh, helps helps Houston, or Houston a bit by proxy. They won at Virginia, um, and so you know I think they're they're going to be right in that mix. But I think you could take any one of those other four or put them on the one line, and I, I wouldn't really have a huge argument with it.
1: Is there any bonus that Arizona and Houston get that they both took a Q3 loss, but then went and beat that team again on the road? Like, uh, Houston went and beat Temple on the road, kind of took care of business. Arizona beat
3: Washington State on the road. Andy, does that like cancel the Q3 a little bit or no? I, I don't think it totally does. Uh, certainly for about half of the Houston game yesterday, it certainly did not. Um, <laughs> as they went through. So, you know, you look at the final margin and, and maybe you feel some vindication that, hey, we really are the better team. We showed it here lost a close game at home in their case. Um, I, I think it helps certainly more so than, than losing that other game or not playing well in that other game for the duration. But I don't think it totally takes it away either. All right, so, Lucas, you, you did
1: say you think tonight it can be a play-in for a one seed. So that, that does confirm you have Kansas close enough, right, that they're in range of add one more high-end Q1 win against a team of one or two seed caliber. You'd have them sliding up there?
2: Yep, I would. that uh, would give them 14 quad one and two wins, which would lead the country. Um, they'd have 10 quad one wins which would also lead the country i think it'd be really hard to keep them off the top line um if they take care of business against texas tonight
1: all right now before we go to the bubble uh, i want to get our, our consensus one seeds if we have them producer dagan please yell at me if we do not have those ready to launch okay perfect we do uh, purdue alabama houston and arizona that's the the four seed across one through four of uh, the four one seeds so no Texas or Kansas, but I think that might change on Friday, given whatever happens tonight on Monday. So stay tuned. Lots to, t- to change still at the top of the bracket. All right, now let's head down towards the bottom of the at-large pool, the bubble talk. gonna talk last four in. I think we go here to Andy first after we talk Lucas's one seeds. Where do you stand on the last four in today after
3: a big weekend of hoops? Yeah, I've got a few of the same teams, uh, at least two of them that, in there that I had on Friday in Kentucky and Nevada, still uh, right in that mix. You know, Kentucky did get the, the win over Florida, a, a nice win, but not really enough to move the needle. And while there were parts of the bracket where it seemed like everybody lost, a lot of the teams that were right around the cut line uh, did win uh, over the course of the weekend. If you think about Northwestern, as Lucas mentioned earlier, West Virginia uh, gets a win. So Kentucky did the same as well uh, for them. You know, really just have the, the one win at Tennessee, a great win, but otherwise they've beaten Texas A&M and Florida, and that's really what they have uh, going for them in terms of quality wins. The quality metrics are good, though, um, but just one and six uh, in quad one. Nevada uh, talked about them on Friday, have beaten uh, all the best Mountain West teams at home, would be well served to try to find a way to, to win, you know, a game or two against that group on the road. That starts with their next game at New Mexico. Uh, and then they play at Utah state a couple games after that. So, uh, and then finish with four winnable games there. So they're, they're right in that mix. Uh, Memphis is a team who was in that area who did not win over the weekend, lost to Tulane, um, ended up getting swept by them over the course of the season. And when you step back and take, uh, another look at their resume, uh, they beat Auburn on a neutral floor, but otherwise they're that that arguably is their only win against the field at this point. Uh, again, beat Texas A&M at home, uh, similar to what you know, mentioned above. But um, you know, one at Cincinnati, who's playing better, beat Nebraska on a neutral floor. But again, nothing really to hang their hat on uh, in terms of um, you know in terms of quality wins. So pushes them into that mix for me. And then Oklahoma State, that Lucas mentioned earlier, uh, got a nice win over TCU. Have done uh, most of their damage at home, short of uh, winning at Oklahoma to get the sweep. Uh, with the Sooners but uh, you know some you know moving in the right direction there four quad one wins uh, is helpful and lots of other chances to get those uh, to play themselves further in or play themselves completely out their uh, next handful of games is they get Texas Tech at home which uh, I guess is the only real breather you can can even claim in the Big 12 but then they go to Iowa State play Kansas at home and go to TCU in West Virginia so we'll learn a lot about them in these next few games and uh, if they play well in those can really solidify their spot. If they don't, uh, we'll probably be talking about them in a, a first four out conversation instead. Yeah, big, big
1: missed opportunity for Memphis there. It seemed like they had that game sealed up and then were uh, not able to finish against that the Greenway. It feels Green like Wave their M.O. Weekend.
3: this year. I, I think they have a, <laughs> a handful of games where uh, they'd be much safer than they are right now. Had they been able to close out. Uh, you know, you could take your pick of a couple of different games on the schedule. Uh, and that was certainly no exception.
1: And it might just come down from Memphis once again. Can you beat Houston? That seems like an annual tradition of, all right, they've got these two shots at Houston still, and uh, we'll see if they get one. And those become
3: huge games for Houston too, as you you look forward to them. I mean, they don't really have a lot of other chances either to, uh, they're just trying not to stub their toe. So those games become huge for both teams. And I think they played twice over the last five or so games of the season.
1: Yep. Uh, All right, Lucas, to you, what about your last four in right now?
2: Yeah, I think we're getting a little bit closer in terms of overall bracketologists with the, around the same 68 teams getting in the field. Um, all four of Andy's last four in are in my field as well, although I'm a little bit higher on Oklahoma State and Kentucky. So my last four in, I'm with Andy on, Nem- on Nevada and Memphis. Um, those are my first two. And then I got New Mexico um, and Clemson filling out those shots. Uh, New Mexico, the road loss to Utah State. Uh, isn't a real herder on last week, Wednesday, but they have really poor quality metrics overall. They're getting really held down by being 73rd Um, in DPI. They average 61 across the quality metrics. They got two of those quad three losses. Um, They're just kind of in a difficult spot in terms of where you want to seed them. I think their selection numbers are really good. Um, they're, They're sitting in the top 30 in resume metrics, but the quality metrics lag behind in a way where I think they're in better shape for selection than they are for seeding right now. Um, as far as Clemson goes, back-to-back losses at Boston College and then um, a, what would have been a nice opportunity at home against Miami. Um, they have three quad one, quad three and four losses. Uh, what really stands out for Clemson is their seven and three record against quads one and two, uh, but none of those wins are in quad 1A. And once you see Clemson's non-conference strength of schedule sitting at uh, 339th in the country, um, it's pretty easy to make an argument against them as being one of those teams that's safely in the field because they weren't really challenged out of conference um, like a lot of other teams in the area were.
1: Clemson's tricky right now, right? Because they're <laughs> like right atop the the conference. So they could get the auto bid, but I think it's more interesting to look at them right now in this discussion, because like, look, if we ran the ACC tournament today, they're not the favorite to win.
2: That's so, how I do my bracket too. I go okay. by, if there's, if, if it's a team that's of at large quality, I lead the, I leave the auto bid to whoever is the highest rated seed in my brackets. I think that gives a picture of where it seemed right on the cut line really is.
1: Okay. Andy, I assume, did you give Clemson the auto bid this, this week right now?
3: Yeah, I did. I think they're still up one game in the win column because they've played one more game than, uh, than I think Virginia who's, who's right by him. So yeah, I had them there, but I did have them as 11. They're right in that mix Mm -hmm. Uh, for me. I think they were kind of jumbled in the middle of the, the last four in that I had. So I'm right with Lucas in terms of, what they have, uh, accomplished. And there's some, uh, there's some good stuff on their resume, but there is some ugly stuff as well. The, the Q3 loss, two Q4 losses, bad non-conference strength of schedule. And if you look at their wins, you know, beating Duke at home is great. Winning at Pitt, uh, continues to look pretty good. Beat NC state, swept Virginia tech, but it, and I really outside of the Duke win, depending upon what your view is of Duke, like there's nothing, amazing that that stands out there as you uh as you look across that and it just is a team that really can't afford to take on any more bad losses and their schedule to a certain extent has as many opportunities for that as uh as anything they still play louisville they they play syracuse at home which wouldn't necessarily be a good good loss and they play notre dame and then the other games are all losable uh as they hit the road to go to carolina to go to nc state and to go to virginia so they in a none of their spot. remaining home
2: games help them at all.
3: No, no, absolutely not. So they they have their toughest games remaining are all on the road, and none of the other games outside of those three really do anything but hurt you. Uh, so, other than that, things uh, look really positive for them going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, fantastic.
1: No, but I think I think that syncs up with what Lucas is saying is where if they're in the at large pool, it, it's not safe. It is a precarious yeah. status for Clemson right now. Uh, and that's probably where they'll be, unless they have that big time run through the ACC tournament, which we may or may not anticipate. All right, now let's take a quick look at the consensus last four in here. This also includes, of course, Rocco Miller and Brad Wachtel, the two other bracketologists here on Fielding 68. Kentucky, Memphis, North Carolina, and they're in the last four in now. This preseason number one, not receiving votes in the AP poll anymore. The last four in, what a fall they have taken. And then Oklahoma State, the last team in our consensus field, Now let's flip the script to the other side here. Uh, Teams 69 through 72, as I like to call them, even though they're really like 49 through 52. uh, That would be more apt. But uh, all right, Lucas, back to you for your first four out. See if there's any of those teams that we just saw in our consensus last four in.
2: No, I think I match up with the consensus 68 um, pretty evenly across the board. Uh, my first four out at Texas A&M sneaking in there, they played really well in conference play, but they still have those two quad three, four losses hanging on. Um, they only have four wins across the upper two quadrants, um, which holds them back a bit. Seton Hall has climbed um, pretty solidly into the mix of the bubble. They have two quad one, a wins. They're five and eight overall in quads one and two, which is okay. Um, one bad loss. All their metrics stand between 43 and 60, which puts them kind of firmly in that conversation. They're right in the same um, vein as Mississippi State. Pretty similar resumes overall in that capacity. I mean, I'm still holding on to Wisconsin as my, as my fourth team out, uh, simply because th- their resume is still pretty solid. Um, they're top 50 in both of the two resume metrics. Uh, they have seven wins across quad one and two, um, which is an impressive number. Two of those victories are in quad one A. Uh, what really holds them back, obviously, is sub-60 in all three quality metrics, 77 to the net. They have an upwards battle coming, but I think they've put themselves, in terms of their number of quad one eight, quad one and two wins, um, to remain in that mix along the cut line.
1: I, we're we're going to do a little more. The chat's talking about it now. After we get Andy's last four in, or first four out, excuse me, we're going to talk a little more UNC. Don't worry. We, we've got to get the, the, the heels discussion, given how close they now are to the cut line, but... All right, Andy, what about you? You're you're, your first four out.
3: Yeah, good amount of overlap here. Uh, Maybe the order is slightly different, but I had uh, Seton Hall and um, and Wisconsin within my uh, within my group as well. And then Mississippi State would have been my fifth team out. So uh, pretty, pretty instinct there. Uh, As Lucas said, Seton Hall solid uh, at this point. Didn't really, you know, their their game against DePaul over the weekend. Wasn't going to wasn't really going to help, but took care of business there. Uh, but now they get Creighton at home coming up next. That would give them another win to pair with uh, or go with the UConn win and their win at Rutgers. Uh, for them, AM, the the bad losses don't help. The non conference strength of schedule is around 250, uh, losing record in road and neutral games. So, um, you know, work to do there. They've won at Auburn and at Florida, have swept Florida, which is helpful. Um, but they they got Auburn again at home this week, and then they go to LSU in the game you really can't drop, and then uh, Arkansas at home. So some chances at home to pick up a couple more solid wins for them. Wisconsin, I think we've talked about quite a bit. They've got uh, work to do. Just the metrics are starting to look pretty ugly. The quality metrics are bad. The net's outside the top 75, Um, but they do have enough quality wins if they can string together some wins here and kind of get back on track uh, there's there's good things to be had there. They go to Penn State and to Nebraska this week. If they win both those, that puts them at eight and five road neutral, which would certainly help uh, as you go through there. And then Utah State's a team that I had that, that Lucas did not talk uh, me into. Res- them,
2: please, I've been, I, I've been waiting for someone to talk me into Utah State. I can't well, get it myself. I'm not
3: sure that I can. I you know, yeah. it, but at a certain point, you look at the you know you look at the record. The resume metrics are really good. Yeah. So if you think about first selection, like that part helps. Yep. Uh, but then you dig in a little bit deeper. They're zero and three in quad one. But six and zero in quad two, nine and zero in quad three, so they've you know fifteen and three in those top three quadrants. But then you've got two quad four losses to go with it. Uh, it's, so it's
2: such a weird resume. To it's answer.
3: kind of odd, you know. They're they're eight and four in road neutral games, which the committee Good. would like, um, you know. But the the challenge is they are going to struggle to find a road win to really move the needle at this point. They already lost at Boise State, at San Diego mm-hmm. State, at Nevada um and and so they beat new mexico at home they beat oral roberts which helps um but yeah it's it's kind of tough to talk yourself into it It almost i I feel like i look at them and it's like no matter what they do i feel like they'd be right around the you know fourth team out or something else i just
2: don't know i really want to believe i really do yeah they're a fun team to watch i really want to believe that they're that they're in the mix i have a hard time with you know as you mentioned no quad one wins two quad four losses
3: yeah so they got san diego state coming up uh as their next game Uh, three of their next four at home so that doesn't help the road situation uh in terms of getting a more marquee road win but still at eight and four uh on the road already they go to san jose state they win that then nine and four road neutral so i think there's a lot of good things to like there's just not like that one thing that is great to to hang your hat on with them yeah
1: yeah and that's kind of what we were saying about clemson there's enough good stuff to outweigh those really bad losses there's just not that high level thing for utah state that offsets it and kind of balances the scales for them that that is a tough thing uh, to have on the, on the cut line. All right, let's go to the consensus last, or excuse me, first four out. And we've just talked about them all Wisconsin, Texas, AM, and Seton hall, Utah state. So our bracketologists are pretty aligned at this stage. There's definitely more to come though, over the last month of the season here, teams will play their way in, they'll play their way out. And that brings me to my next question that I, I posed to you both before we got on the show. Cause I wanted to make sure you had, adequate time to at least give it give it some thought but is there a team or two that's not in that picture yet that we haven't even discussed much on this show that you think could play all their way back into the bracket I know Seton Hall wasn't really on the radar a couple of weeks ago uh, and they've sort of played their way closer so other teams over this next month that we think have opportunities to get back into this field uh, Lucas I will go to you first is there a team you came up with that's not quite there yet that you think could get there
2: You know, you if you asked me about this question a week ago, I would have said Seton Hall. Um, I felt like I was a little bit ahead of the curve on feeling where they could end up. Um, I think a couple teams stand out still. Um, Penn State, I've really enjoyed watching all year. Their offense is electric. uh, Obviously coming off a rough road loss at Nebraska. Um, But the Big Ten just gives you so many opportunities this year where I think they're still in a position to make a run. Um, It kind of just comes down to if they're able to find their shooting stroke on the road. Um, They've really been a, a really hot shooting team at home this year, and they've struggled in road matchups um, to shoot the ball. They're going to have those opportunities to go at Maryland, at Minnesota, at Ohio State, at Northwestern. Um, and I think one of those matchups I think is really friendly um, to the rest of the Big Big Ten right now, which is at, at Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State really hasn't played well recently, but its metrics are still in pretty good shape uh, to help out the league. I think there are opportunities for Penn State to make a push um, and I think I think Florida is probably in that range too. Florida's missing wins more than anything else, and they have uh, five of their remaining games against Ken Palm's sub one hundred opponents. If they take advantage of all those, they're very quickly up to eighteen total wins for the year. Um, with a home win over Tennessee is kind of the, the sparkling point on the resume. I think they're a team that can still be dangerous uh, out of the SEC.
1: That sounds like a Kentucky resume. Oh, we got enough wins that we beat Tennessee. How's that sound? Is that is that enough <laughs> for us? <laughs> uh, we'll see. They've, they've, yeah, like you is said, that they've BBN got I hear
2: knocking on Jim's door?
1: They are. They're <laughs> coming for me. It's they, They're they sending me to BBN jail. It's going to be tough. Uh, but uh, Andy, what about you? Is there, there a team or two, whether Lucas mentioned them or not, that you're Same highest Oregon, on? I forgot to. Uh, no, no. Let's we'll save that one for Andy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had, um,
2: I had a couple that, that
3: you did not mention. Uh, Oregon was one of them uh, big, but we're going to know whether that's a legitimate possibility after this weekend when they yeah. host USC and UCLA, if they, they really probably need to sweep both of those, I would say. Um, you know, you look at their resume, their Q3 losses were both at home, came to Utah Valley and UC Irvine, both teams who are toward the top of their leagues in the top hundred of the net, I believe or right around there. So not great, not teams you want to lose to at home, but not egregiously bad in the way that, uh, some of the other teams are there have a good non-conference strength to schedule um, quality metrics are getting a little bit better uh, as you go forward and they beat beaten Arizona. Uh, and so that's, that's helpful there. It, they, they really just have to take care of business in these two home games over the weekend and then not stub their toe on the road. But I think they could start to pile up wins um, as Lucas mentioned about Florida, if they can, if they can do that. The other team I flag is Virginia tech. Um, it, the, the challenge is obviously they have not won a road game that that is bad. Uh, there's no getting around it, uh, but they do that, have a chance. That's why they're not
2: in my first four out. Yeah. I was real close.
3: Yeah, they, they do have a chance to get a few uh, down the stretch. They've got a lot of winnable games left. So the, the three winnable road games they have are at Notre Dame, at Georgia Tech, at Louisville. They also host Boston College at home. The The big stretch that's going to define whether they can get in or not is they go three straight games, Pitt in Miami at home, and then they go to Duke. Uh, so, you know, for them, they've got the Hunter Couture injury that's a factor Uh, he got injured in the Boston college loss, which is their Q3 loss and their worst loss on their resume. Uh, so it's always hard. We talk about this all the time with injuries. You can't assume that if he's there, they don't drop all the games in a row that they did, but, uh, if they can prove they can play well with him back and at full strength. Um, then I think that helps. And for them, head to head isn't everything, but they've beaten Oklahoma state on a neutral floor. They beat Penn state on a neutral floor. Uh, they beat North Carolina at home. And don't go to UNC, so those things won't totally flip the scales, but are helpful uh, for the purposes of that. But none of that matters if they can't find a way to win some road games. They did win three neutral court games, so that helps a little bit. Where they've at least the the aggregate number there is is you know they're three and seven, which doesn't look nearly as bad as zero and seven. But they got to win some true road games, and they've got a chance to do that. Um, and have been playing well of late. So those were the two that I had earmarked uh, that were you know not really. That close to my first four. I guess they're close enough to my first four out, but but still a few teams separating them from that. You know, uh, th- those four teams.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: I'm glad you brought up Virginia tech. That was the team I wanted to talk about just because with Couture in they're 14 and five, five and four against the top two quadrants and that the loss to BC has the the asterisk. if That's when he left. That's when he got hurt. So they are tricky. It's a tough team to figure out. And as that sample with Couture grows down the stretch here, I think they'll be able to make a pretty strong statement for themselves. If, if they win, it's, it's pretty simple for these bubble teams. You keep winning and you'll, you'll get in. So, Uh, We'll see how it goes down the stretch. All right. I promised UNC discussion and we did not deliver yet. So we want to, I want to go back to them. Uh, Lucas, what is it about UNC? I guess you have them above your last four in, but that is not where they are in our consensus bracket. What is UNC most worried about on their profile right now? What what can they fix down the stretch?
2: Well, being one and seven in quad one, I think is really the standout thing. I mean, if you look at teams around the cut line, there's a lot that have uh, three or more, wins in that department. And that's really a huge um, asterisk on the resume is not having those wins. Um, but there's opportunities left. Um, their schedule gets Virginia at home, Duke at home, NC State in the road, Wake Forest in the road. All those games qualify um, as quad one right now. Um, and a Miami game at home might get there. if Miami can creep into the top 30 of the net. They're 39th right now. Um, that could potentially creep into quad one too. So they need those games um, but really right now, it's just they have a complete lack of quality. They're 0 and 5 and quad 1A. Their metrics are quite solid across the board, top 45, um, and all six resume metrics, I mean, all six uh, team sheet metrics. But it's the lack of quality wins that is just, that's just really blowing up their current status.
1: Andy, these, these committee members are humans too. Is there anything that you think might creep into them? Like, all right, we know this team – Did this last year, they they were a big discussion point on this show, uh, most of February of whether or not they were good enough to get in, then they go on that run and they make the NCAA title game. Do the human members of the committee have that in the back of their mind when they're thinking about the
3: Tar Heels? I shouldn't really factor into the decision making, but I also, as you said, it's pretty hard to ignore uh, completely. And I think if you see some of the same underlying themes from a year ago, again, I don't know that you can override the rest of the process to say, Hey, we got to find a way to get this team in. But Mm -hmm. given the, the, the guys that they have back that were also on that team and uh, some of the same issues uh, that you saw a year ago, you know, maybe there's an argument to be made there, but yeah, Lucas is right. I mean, the challenge is they just haven't beaten enough quality opponents. I mean, NC state is the only win they have right now over a team that is in the field or safely in the field. Uh, they did beat Charleston, so depending upon your view of them, whether you're giving them the auto bit or not, they're kind of in the, the mix of teams that would be right around the bubble, but, um, you know, that, that was a game that came at home. Uh, depending upon what you think of Charleston, that may or may not be a, a, an impressive win to you, and so that really is what it comes down to, is trying to find ways to, you know, to win some of those games that have been close, uh, just haven't been able to get it done, and don't have a quad three or quad four loss, but at some point, uh, you got to start to stack a few of those. But as Luke's mentioned, their schedule gives lots of opportunities for that. And there's a chance to really move quickly up the seed line or the seed list as the actual on-court results back up the metrics. And then you can kind of use those to say, hey, this is really uh, a team that isn't a you know 10 or 11 seed. They, they're, they're much better than that. So uh, that starts with going to Wake Forest this week. And uh, that really, these next four games are all pretty important for them. And the, get a little bit of a reprieve against Notre Dame and then have Virginia and Duke and two out of the last three. So lots of good opportunities, but if they don't take advantage of those, they're, uh, they're going to be sweating it out uh, in the way that they kind of were last year heading into the ACC tournament. It,
1: it's just wild because, you know, in preseason number one, and there was pushback on that preseason number one. People are like, oh, I don't think they're quite that good. But hmm. not a single soul is making the case that they might not make the tournament this year, and yet here we are. Uh, just a wild tournament of events for that squad. All right, let's go to a couple team-specific discussion points before we hit a, a few chat questions. Don't worry, chat. We will uh, we will hit those questions. Dagan is rounding them up, I'm sure, behind the scenes. I wanted to ask you guys about teams I'm calling can't win the big one, and this is pretty close to a Carolina-related discussion too, uh, but Maryland and West Virginia, two teams that are 0 for against the top, top of the top, Q1A. Uh, Maryland's 0-5 versus Q1A, but 16-2 and 2 versus everybody else. That's pretty good. Uh, but we talked about Virginia Tech not having a road win. Maryland does have two, but they are not good uh, road, or road wins. Not, not needle-moving road wins at all. So, Lucas, where do we stand on a team like Maryland or West Virginia, who is also 0-8 versus Q1A, 14-1 versus everybody else, great metrics? How do you kind of parse out these teams that don't have that top-of-the-line victory to hang their hat on?
2: Yeah, I'm a little bit higher on Maryland um, than I think others might be. I have Maryland sitting – um, on, the end, on the back end of my seven line right now, um, their metrics have creeped into the top 25 in quality, um, 22 in BPI, 23 in Ken Palm, 20th in Sagarin. They're up to almost 500 across the top two quadrants. And I think when it comes to being over against the top line, I'm less concerned about that because they have seven overall losses. Five of them are against that top line. They've proven that they beat pretty much everybody they're supposed to beat. Um, and they lose the games against really really tough opponents, which is the case for most teams. Um, I think I, I generally I'm a little bit more um, lenient towards towards teams that have clearly beaten the teams they're supposed to and have struggled against high quality, and the teams that get lucky once and lose against teams that they really should have beaten. And I think that that Maryland has proven that um, they're good against that quality of team. And Also, conversely to West Virginia, they're above 500 against the top three quadrants. Uh, Maryland's nine and seven across the up the upper three uh West Virginia is only eight and nine
1: fair enough uh Andy any additional thoughts on that one either, either of those teams
3: really uh, yeah I mean Maryland what they lacked is, as you said is is a signature road win um you yeah, know they did beat uh ten or not they did not beat Tennessee they beat uh, Miami on a neutral floor um so that's a good win that that shows they can win away from home but it's not the same as a as a true road uh it's a true road win uh and you know and if you look at the four road games they have left, one's at Michigan state, that's going to be a tough game. Uh, obviously at Nebraska doesn't probably move the needle a great deal. And then at Ohio state at Penn state. So in, none of those, you know, Michigan state's kind of the middle of the pack. Ohio state is floundering and and you've got Penn state who's uh, fighting for a bubble spot. Like, you know, a couple of those could help. And maybe it's just a volume thing that at some point, if you pick up, you know, two of those four, gives you four true road wins on the season and maybe it matters a little bit less who, who you've actually beaten there. They've certainly shown they can beat uh, anybody who goes to, to college park and uh, they got Purdue coming up in a, in a week and a half or so uh, as they go there. So I, I tend to side a little bit with Lucas. I have them on the eight, uh, on the eight line, I think toward the front of my eight line. So pretty similar uh, to where he is. They've just, you know, kind of done what you'd expect them to do in large part. And maybe they surprise you and get a couple of these other road wins. And then West Virginia, Metrics look really good. Um, they haven't lost a game outside of quad one. So even though they've got a lot of losses there, they're all quote unquote good losses. I think the thing that you worry about a little bit with them just because of the number of losses is um, it gets hard to get, can you get to 500 against the the top three quadrants, which that are within a game of at this point, but they got six wins uh, in, in Q4 that probably aren't going anywhere as you look at that. But I think you've seen enough, From West Virginia, you know, winning at Pittsburgh looks uh, better than people probably thought it would. I think they ran them off the floor if I'm remembering that game correctly. Yep. Um, And so, winning, you know, beating Florida again for bubble purposes can uh, be helpful. And and so, I think if they can find ways to, uh, you know, a little bit the same, can you find another couple good road wins there? But they've got tons of chances, uh, as we talked about on Friday with a lot of the Big Twelve teams. It's just, uh, you know, can you avoid losing? the vast majority of them and playing yourself off of the bubble in in a way that, because you just take so many losses as you go forward from them.
2: Yeah. I've got both as single digit seeds right now.
1: Single digit. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I guess that, that is a team where once they're in, then you can lean more on the quality metrics for seeding If you want to do that. And that certainly bumps West Virginia up among other teams.
3: Yeah. Your challenge as you look in the next few games for West Virginia is they've got Iowa state at home. Then they go to Texas and to Baylor. Like if you lose all three of those games, it, you know, it really becomes difficult to justify. You're then 14 and 12 yep. and and historical precedent is saying, well, you're two games over 500. That's not going to happen. So that's the downside of what they have is uh, a lot of good opportunities. But if you get a stretch of really tough games and you lose them all, it, it you know, the quality metrics can only save you so much uh, from actually, you know, losing games.
1: Yep. All right. One last team I want to discuss before, you know, we go to chat questions. And that's Charleston, another team that is kind of Clemson adjacent where, all right, are they going to be in the at-large pool? Or are they going to uh, end up as a, an auto bid in the, out of the Colonial? Uh, but, Andy, I'll go to you first here. Do they have a chance at an at-large still after the two straight losses that they've suffered in
3: the in the CAA? I, I think it's a pretty uphill climb right now. Uh, yeah, they only have three losses. I, I really feel like they have to win out and then maybe lose in the – losing the finals of the CAA tournament. Um, maybe that's to the extreme, but they don't really have, you know, any loss they take from here on out is going to be a bad loss. Um, and, and so that becomes challenging. Their quality metrics are average almost 80, uh, which is not great. They don't have a quad one win. They can't get one uh, based on who they've got left. They are three and zero in quad two uh, by beating Virginia tech and Kent state each by each by a basket. I think even the, the UNCW win was also by two points. So, your three best wins came by a total of six points, which there's something to be said for winning close games. But um, when you look and the other metrics don't necessarily back that up, it becomes pretty difficult to, you know, have two Q3 losses. Not strength. The schedule is almost 300th. Um, just, there's just not a lot of things working in their favor at this point. So they really just have to keep winning and stacking those wins and, and and making it pretty far in the CAA tournament because I think another bad loss would, uh, you know, kind of spell their doom. I mean, I have Hofstra as the auto bid there because they beat them head to head and didn't have Charleston and what I would consider to be the first four out. So I guess that gives you at least a little bit of thought into where I have them. Yeah.
1: Even, even Virginia tech swooning without Hunter Couture hurts Charleston, like just based on that was supposed to be their headline win in that tournament. and, And that one has not aged as well as maybe they had hoped Lucas, do you kind of feel the same way? Just, just, they they're going to need
2: to do it on quantity of wins basically. Right. Yeah. I think they have to make the CAA final and, and that's with while well, winning out the regular season. I don't really see much of another path um, to getting there. And I think that stems from like, I mean, Andy already mentioned it. He doesn't have them in their first, in his first four out. I wouldn't either. Um, and they don't really have the opportunities to make a move into that. Like if you look at the CAA as a whole, there's really only two wins of significant value to a team that, that's on the outside looking in right now. That'd be beating Towson um, or UNCW on the road, which they've already done. Um, and we already, we still have them on the outside looking in their, their road games left are against Hampton and Elon, which don't really move the needle at all. So I think they're in a spot where they need to win out the regular season and make the CAA final and lose to, you know, one of the Hofstra Towson UNCW at best.
1: I want to ask, like, it, it, would it, almost be kind of a death knell for them if it was Hofstra and then they had gone zero and two against Hofstra and hadn't beat them like did they was it almost be more helpful if it was UNC Wilmington and not somebody that then swept them from their league
2: I feel the opposite personally I'd rather lose to Hofstra twice I think and just be like oh this is a bad matchup we lost two of our four games all season to the same team we beat everybody else
1: okay I buy that
2: that's uh-huh. at least how I think of it. I don't know if the committee would agree with me on that, but that's how my thought process would go. Would just be chalk it up to bad matchup. That makes sense.
1: All right, let's let's turn to the chat. There's plenty of wonderful activity going on in there. A lot of Big East chatter. Big East fans, passionate. I love to see it. Uh, speaking of the Big East, our producer Dagan is a Seton Hall grad. Dagan, what do you got for us? Any questions that we should uh, we should be discussing?
4: Yeah, you took my comments right out of my mouth. A lot of a lot of biggie setter uh in the chat. Uh, what do you see? Jacob wants to know, can UConn jump to a three or four seed with wins
1: over Creighton and Marquette? Can they beat Creighton and Marquette? That's my <laughs> first
3: question. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think so. Um it, it obviously also depends. This is what gets difficult. I think everybody uh, you know, they're good questions to ask, but the challenge becomes like it doesn't only matter what you do um so i know lucas probably gets this a lot too where people ask questions on twitter like well, what if this happens where can they go well if you were the only one playing games then maybe that would be easier to a little bit easier to answer but i do think so i mean their their wins in the beginning of the season still carry a lot of weight it, it, those aren't discounted and so they've already stacked some good things uh, on their resume so being able to to pick off a couple of the other good teams would certainly help them feels to me like a three is probably the ceiling at this point uh for them just you know, there's all those big 12 teams, you got to kind of jump who every game is a chance to to pad your resume a little bit. Uh, I think they would need a lot of things to happen around them to get up to that point. But I think threes, um, you know, the ceiling, but I think they'd almost have to maybe not win out in the regular season to get there. But I think they'd have to come pretty close to that.
2: Yeah, I agree with Andy across the board on that. Although I will say that I think this hypothetical actually gives a little bit more information than normal. And uh, that a win over Marquette would also mean a loss for Marquette. Um, in there, uh, with Marquette and UConn both kind of sitting around the four, or five seed range right now, I think that that um, would get UConn up to the four line if they take if they take Marquette uh, and Creighton this week.
1: Oh, one thing I want—I we maybe could have discussed earlier, but I just want to do a little like, how much does a team's net matter on their profile? Is it like five percent of what you care about? Like, it's really not that important, right?
2: I don't give much credence to it unless it's a clear outlier. Okay.
3: Yeah, I I would say the same. It's you yeah, know, unless there's something that looks like Wisconsin being at
2: seventy seven matters to me a bit. i I think it'd be weird to include I think it's weird to include a team as an at large team if they're if they a road win over them isn't even quadrant one. Um, but overall, I don't put too much credence to it. Yeah, yeah it's just I a agree. sorting
1: tool. That's the thing that that's what it matters most as. So people stressing about their own team's net, don't worry about it. it's not that important.
4: Mm-hmm. All right, what else Dagan? Uh, I want to flip it now. If Marquette beats UConn and Creighton this week, can they get to the two seed line?
2: I think it's a three for me. I think that's a three. I think the two seed line is pretty solid right now. Um, I think we kind of talked about that a bit with the one seeds even, and that we've talked about how many of those two seeds are, are in contention for ones, whether that's Texas, Kansas, Arizona. We didn't mention them, but I even throw UCLA as a dark horse to get on the one line of that group, um, which really only leaves one of those two seeds up for grabs. And that's, that's Tennessee for me right now. I think it'd be hard for Marquette to get all the way up to there, but I think they'd be on the three line pretty safely with those wins.
3: Yeah, I'd agree because you've got at least for mine, you know, three Big Twelve teams on the three line. If they continue to kind of beat each other up, you know that that opens the door. Plus, you've picked up those wins if you're Marquette in that scenario. So, yeah, three feels uh, three feels likely if you're able to pull that off. I think two is a little bit difficult. Lucas mentioned UCLA. They're kind of an interesting case. I think everybody thinks that they're, that they're good, but their profile is not, uh, not overly exciting as you really look at it in terms of, uh, of who they've beaten. So could potentially they get surpassed by somebody if they get really hot and they, uh, drop a couple games with the, you know, that seems they do go to Oregon over the weekend, but, uh, and they have four road games left, but, but until that last weekend when they host, uh, Arizona, that's really their next big chance for a win. So they don't have a bad loss by any stretch of the imagination. Just again, you kind of look at them, you're, you're counting a lot of the metrics and, uh, and and all the things that we think about how good they really are versus what maybe their accomplishments have been to this point. But even so, if they continue to play well, I'm not sure Marquette passes them even with, with some of those wins. Yeah.
1: Tricky thing with UCLA, they have the same number of Q1A and Q1 wins as Wisconsin, actually less Q1 wins than Wisconsin. Like That's that's, that's, that's how skewed it's been. That's, Kind of the the good fortune of playing in the Big Ten versus every Q, or every game in the Pac twelve is Q two. It's not Q one. That's that's tricky. Uh, what else, Dagan?
4: Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on
2: Iowa? What's their uh, their ceiling and what's their floor for seed? I love Iowa's resume right now. I'm am gonna be honest. Seven quad wins, 10, 10 and six over the first two quadrants. I've really jumped on the Iowa bandwagon from a bracketology perspective of late. Uh, top thirty three across all metrics. I moved the Hawkeyes to a six seed this morning. Um, I feel pretty good about where Iowa stands right now. I think that they are um, in the mix to be like a very dark horse for a protected seed just because of how many opportunities the Big Ten gives. Um, I think they have arguably the worst loss in the entire country, uh, but one that I believe they played without Chris Murray and without Connor McAfferty. So that's a game that if they're really in the mix for things um, and they play well down the stretch, I think that's one that can be just that could be a little bit more discounted.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. They're moving up for me. I think that Eastern Illinois loss still hangs in the back of your mind yes. as you're trying to figure out what to do with them. But as you said, there were some personnel things. Now, we can argue whether that justifies losing to Eastern Illinois uh, course, at that point. But, um, but I do think that'll Yeah, it'll certainly be a discussion point. I think for them, uh, if you want to, you know, looking at positive things, as you said, seven quad one wins or ten and six in quads one and two. Um, but then oddly they're five and two and quads three and four. So go figure. Uh, and they've got, you know, two true road wins at this point. So I think that's an area where if they shore that up a little bit, uh, things can be helpful. Uh, very tall order to do that. You want to Purdue this week, but they do still they go four of The next
2: five on the road. This yeah. is the move. This yeah, is, move. Got, this, yeah, is got, this is, this is, for, this is Saturday at Augusta for Iowa.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at those next four, they go to Purdue, two Minnesota host, Ohio state, go to Northwestern, two Wisconsin. So, outside of the Purdue game, not against like the top, top teams in the, in the conference. Although there's really only one top team in the big 10 and then everybody else is yeah. like within a game of 500, but yeah. Um, yeah. Some good opportunities for them. They still go to IU uh, later in the season as well. So, um, so I like them. I've got them as a seven, uh, but pretty close to the six and what I'm looking at now. So I think maybe they get up to a five um, if you continue to go there. Cause I think the question was what their ceiling is. I think floor wise, I mean, if the bottom falls out, maybe yeah. they dip to the, a nine or something. They don't win a lot of these road games. Uh, I think you could see them, you know, slip a, a couple spots. But I think they'd have to lose so many games, given what they've already accomplished with seven quad one wins already. That that's going to, you know, be kind of a life preserver for them, unless and, and disaster strikes.
1: Great. Um, anything else,
3: Dagan? Yeah, we
4: have we have I a guess... few. We have a few more. Oh, um, Fantastic. Uh, St. Mary's can they get a higher seed than Gonzaga? I'm the only one that looks at everybody's bracket. And I know a few people already have them above
3: Gonzaga. I like uh, like this
4: question. Andy, what do you think here?
3: Uh, I was one of the ones that had them above Gonzaga. I mean, at some point, the metrics have to matter. And I said this one of the first shows I came on this year. It's like, if if they're this high in the net, uh, I think you really struggle for the selection committee to put them super low. So I know we just said, we don't really look at the net. But I also feel like if you put them at, uh you know i had them as a four this time so they're not like way up there but but even earlier in the season they're they're up that high and and it feels like they may be a, like a seven seed but you're ranked in the top 10 of the the tool that you believe is is what you want to use to sort wins I, I don't know that you can totally uh fly in the face of that as you go forward um and look at it there so i have them as a four right right in front of gonzaga um you know, the the San Diego state win is great. Beating Gonzaga is great. I, I do agree. There's not a ton of quality there, but I also think if you look at Gonzaga's resume, there's some, uh, there's some questions as well. So I, I have them there right now. The metrics on the quality side are all pretty good. And even in resume metrics, they're pretty close to Gonzaga. The strength of record is kind of an outlier for them at 27. But if you look at the other two, they rank uh, or they rank ahead of Gonzaga and KPI as well. So um, I think it, they're, they're pretty tight, but for me, they beat them, uh, and I think there, you know, they're, there's definitely some things that favor them if you want to if you want to look at it that way. And they get to play them again,
1: right, Lucas? Like they they've got the chances to kind of stamp that like official where higher than Gonzaga.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I am a little bit on the opposite of Andy. I have them right next to each other on the four lines, but I have Gonzaga one spot ahead still. Um, for me, I think the win St. Mary's has drew them closer, uh, but for me, Gonzaga has four wins over the field. St. Mary's has two. Uh, and quite frankly, I think beating Xavier on a neutral site is probably better than beating Gonzaga at home. All right. Any? Uh, what's In next, Alabama, it's... for that matter. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> what's next, Dagan? Uh,
4: yeah, we, we'll we'll do two more here. Uh, what do you guys make of Creighton's resume? Obviously, started the year off a little bit rough, but obviously missing some some key pieces. So, what do you guys make of their resume as they come down the stretch here?
1: I'll go to Lucas first. I I think Andy probably discussed Creighton some on Friday show. So uh, I'll get Lucas's take first.
2: Yeah, I think Creighton off sheer <clears throat> off sheer resume and metrics right now probably belongs in the seven eight seed range. Um, I have them sitting on the seven line. Um, I think we could see them get higher because of the Caulkbrunner factor um, having them on the floor. Obviously, they're way better. Um, but overall resume my six and seven against squads one and two. They have a quad three loss in there. Um, they're kind of in the same boat as like as like Duke around that same area um, in terms of just having a pretty solid middle of the pack um, resume. Uh, if you want to compare them to a team like Maryland that we already discussed, who's also six and seven across the upper two quadrants without a quad one, a win you can. And I think that those are teams that are kind of all in the same mix. Um, I think they're a team that's likely to be overseated compared to their resume um, in terms of putting them more towards a five or a six than a seven or an eight. Um, because of how they played without because of how they played with Ryan Kaufbrenner versus without um, but I think there's still room to decide um, if they're if they're really close to those five or sixes right now which I don't think they really are
3: yeah I think they kind of end up at least for now right around where Lucas said I think if you're the committee I'm not sure you but feel they're gonna
2: be a dangerous team there
3: slotting them in as an eight or a nine and they're awaiting a one seed in the second round I, I do think there's uh, some validity to that part of it and yeah, they they've played well. Even the the losses they've taken uh in conference play as they've, you know, gone, so they're uh you know 9 and 2 in their last 11. They lost to to Yukon on and Xavier on the road. One of those just by 3 points. So uh, I think they're quitting themselves relatively well and and have chances uh certainly down the stretch to, you know, they, they host Yukon, they host Marquette. Uh so I think those become really important games for them to try to get those top end wins. A lot of winnable road games as well to uh, Show sure that you can do that. So I think they've got a chance to really beef that up, and and again, another team looking to try to justify some of the quality metrics and things like that by uh, winning some games and improving their resume.
2: Another thing I'll say about Creighton is I think we don't really, I think we we preach a lot that conference record doesn't matter. I think most of that preaching comes more towards the bubble. Um, I think there's value in winning a conference, and I think Creighton has a has a pretty decent shot to still win the Big East. Very true. All last right. One day? Last
4: one, last one. We're going to look at uh, a team that a few of you guys had in the last four in what just a week ago and they're going the wrong way. Uh, it's Arizona State. They have any chance of getting back to the NCAA tournament or should Sun Devils fans get ready for the NIT? They
1: want they want Creighton to keep winning. That's for sure. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I they they have not done themselves any favors whatsoever at this point. Um and so I, the the challenge as we talked about before with the the Pac-12 is that The number of wins you can get there that really move the needle is not what it is in some other conferences. And so they are in a difficult spot where you really you don't impress anybody by beating Stanford and Cal up next. You don't really impress anybody by beating Colorado and Utah at home. And they finish and they finish with their last three games at Arizona, at UCLA, at USC. You go and win, you know, even two of those games, you know, you win the four leading into that and you go two and one in that stretch. I think you've, you've got an argument at that point, but
2: I refuse to count out Arizona state until 1 30 AM on March 5th.
3: <laughs> yeah. After exactly. that
2: USC game. Exactly.
3: So that's really the stretch that matters for them. They, they just got to get there, go four no in the next games and get to that stretch. Um, you know, at that point, they'd have 20 wins, which would be helpful. And, and, um, but yeah, the. M- m- no, no wins matter except whatever they do in those
2: three get to the road trip at 20 and 8 and let's dance
1: yeah
3: give yourself a chance
1: that's all that matters uh, alright I believe that wraps it up Dagan anything else we should hit uh, uh, we, we, can do, we can
4: do a quick one very quick one huh. uh,
1: what seed do you guys have pit
4: currently a team we haven't talked about too much yet and that's been going in the right direction
2: it's I've got hinging on my 10-11 line right now. I haven't really decided. I think I put them at the 11 this morning, but they could easily be a 10 for me tomorrow. Quad four loss kind of holds them down. Quality rankings are nearly at 60 on their average, but eight and six across the upper two quadrants, I think, puts them pretty safely in the field, um, and I think you can make an argument as high as a nine if you want to.
3: Yeah, I had them as, I think, my third or fourth 10 seed uh, at this point, so kind of in the same my top general 11. vicinity. I think you can... It, it, the, the teams I have pretty close to them around there, are West Virginia and, and Northwestern you know, they lost to one. They beat one uh, as you, as you look at head to head and kind of some of those teams that are closely clustered together. But um, yeah, I have them right in that, that 10, 11 range. I think there's things you can like that would slide them up toward the top of the 10 line. There's things you can not like that might push them back uh, onto the 11, but to me, they've won enough and, and won enough on the road uh, to be kind of clear, just clear of the last four in yep. category. Great. Well
1: that is it. Uh do we have any games to watch this week, fellas? Ones that you are most like a, looking like at. You... Good A God. thousand. A thousand. Let's list all a thousand.
2: Well, <laughs> oh, let me pull up my email to Dagan with my full list. Let's see. Uh I'm entering. I mean, Texas,
3: Texas, Kansas tonight is the is Texas, Kansas, Duke, the Miami. Sure.
2: Texas, Kansas, Duke, Miami, Marquette, Yukon, TCU, K State, Rutgers, Indiana, Arkansas, Kentucky, Auburn, Tamu North Carolina, Wake maryland michigan state nevada new mexico nc state virginia san diego state utah state iowa state west virginia creighton Seton hall oklahoma baylor wisconsin penn state florida bama usc oregon northwestern ohio state iowa purdue and that's all before friday
1: so people should watch basketball this week is what
3: we're saying <laughs> andy any any that you're like zeroed in on non-iu fandom based i did have i did have most of those at least if i was able to keep up with lucas he really took your challenge to heart to list uh <laughs> list as many as he could uh so that was that was good um you know, I think as you look at ones around the bubble, uh, Auburn going to Texas A&M is another good chance at a win uh, for the Aggies. It's a lot of things that we talked about this week. You know, Maryland goes on the road to Michigan State. Can they find a way to win that game? Uh, Carolina goes to Wake. Can they they find a way there? Um, and some good Mountain West games: Nevada, New Mexico, and San Diego State, Utah State. Those matter for, um, you know, really. I think Nevada, New Mexico, uh, who's a tough team for me to totally sort out. And uh, and Utah State, uh, those are important games for all three of those. So I think those become uh, pretty important as you look at it that way. And uh, yeah, so those are those are the big ones. Wisconsin, Penn State, big one for the bubble uh, as well as you think of it. Uh, as you think of those teams who are either in that first four out or lurking just outside that first four out. Yeah,
1: that's not quite loser lease town, but we're getting we're getting right down to it yeah. with those with those teams pretty darn outside close. the field. Yep. <laughs> Um, All right, that is it for this Monday edition of Fielding the 68. We'll be back on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern. Different crew, but same kind of idea here. Going to get a lot of bracketology knowledge. Don't you worry about that. Uh, Thank you to Dagan behind the scenes. He will be releasing the consensus field on Twitter, so keep an eye out for that. Coming from the Field of 68 on Twitter. Uh, Shout out to Bet Rivers for powering this episode. As always, thank you to Andy Bottoms and Lucas Harkins for educating all of us, both the chat and myself. It is always nice to hear from the experts. That's it for tonight. Enjoy that Kansas-Texas game tonight, folks, and we will see you on-
5: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.